Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's D-C-N-E-W-S-35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. Well, hey there, all you DC Comics News fans. Whether you be frenzied or friendly, you are welcome. Especially if you happen to be a fan of all things DC Comics news, DC Comics podcast, top five lists, or anything that involves a combination of the above, the in-between, or however you like to compile it, you've arrived at the DC Comics news spinner rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. This is episode number 87. And here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network, the Spinner Rack has one role. Each and every week, we pick the top five books, share with you all the reasons why I think they're the best, others in DCN who agree with me, so maybe there's a we from time to time. Sometimes I just use the royal we because it sounds good. But what I'm really looking forward to is every chance I get to sit down with you, tell you about the top five books that I've loved this week, just like every week. And in the process, well, I think we're all lucky enough to hear some great stories. And should you have any thoughts to share back with me, listen to the end for all the ways I tell you how to do that. And I'd like to take a moment to thank you and welcome you. This is your first episode, well... What a great way to start off 2021, right? Here, the top five books from January 5th, episode number 87. And if you've been with me from the very beginning or somewhere further down the line, thank you for spending 2020, maybe even 2019, with me here on the Spinner Rack podcast and joining me now as we enter into 2021 and a whole host of the unexpected, the unimaginable, and who knows, maybe even the impossible. Which is why we're kicking things off with my first choice, Dark Knight's Death Metal number 7. It is the culmination of everything that so far has been so significant about Dark Knight's Death Metal. The story, An Anti-Crisis, Part 7, A Slap in the Face, written by Scott Snyder, with amazing art from Greg Capullo. If you get the chance, check out the great rock and roll names they always give for these issues and the way they sort of imbue each one with that spirit of the death metal. If you look through the previous series metal, you might notice a similar enjoyment taken. I say have the fun where you can and then look on down at the fact that 
inks are by Jonathan Glapton, that you've got colors by FCO Flacencia, and then pages and pages of different collaborations of pencils, inks, colors. Tom Napolitano is the consistent one with all of the letters. An amazing list of covers, variants. Really, you can spend five minutes just going down this list of credits, and they all, <laughs> really, they all provide you with that great insight into just how many people were part of this project and how, you, if you look at those individual pages, you can see this great culmination of talent, artistic style, and impressive representation through collaboration of all the things they offer for you. It's a story that travels through time. It features Diana, who has already achieved that godlike form that if you weren't aware of that, go back, read the whole series, get to the point where she rises to a status where she can now challenge the one who was the Dark Knight, who laughs, who is now an evil, twisted entity, godlike being who is shown just how dangerous he is to what was the previous threat in Perpetua. Now, Diana, Wonder Woman, while those of her allies are fighting below on one of the remaining Earths against an assembled, massive onslaught of the Batman Who Laughs armies and the creatures of fear that he has created, each one a mirror opposite, whether it's of Swamp Thing, of Batman, of Superman. And yet, there is still this idea that Wonder Woman is embodying this recognition she has that winning isn't the only choice that awaits them, that there are still those above them, those that perpetua fear, who can unmake everything and brush aside the, the thing who laughs now and Wonder Woman. And that his offer to join, to make a choice that aligns their forces against the approaching enemy is reasonable, logical even. But heroes don't do the logical. Heroes do the impossible. Heroes fight the unwinnable fights. They put their very best on the line. There's an idea that we all have about how things are supposed to go, how we are supposed to evolve, what our future can, will, should be. And then there's the reality of the things that we want, the things that matter, and what we're willing to do on their behalf. That is such a complex idea, and one that is so well honored in this story, that <laughs> really shows what happens when a higher level mind considers that, and then chooses its actions and determines the fate of so many, most importantly, these wonderful heroes and supporting characters and timelines and multiverses and numerous Earths and other places that we're still learning, unwrapping and mapping. And there is so much more to be considered than just what victory is, what it looks like, and what the aftermath can be. The sacrifices along the way, the challenges that may or may not actually find a resolution. 
it's part of the complexity that's building up to everything that's going to follow. The titles we'll be talking about next from Future State, the concepts behind other titles, and where we can see DC Comics looking to experiencing, uh, perhaps even considering for the many futures that are coming its way. Future State's going to be a busy part of our conversation spinning out of this. You might even hear one or two titles on this week's episode. But I wanted to start things off with what I felt was the important value behind Dark Knight's Death Metal number 7. Like it or not, love crossovers or not, the desire behind Scott Snyder and his vision for this project was to not only tell a great story, but in the process, bring some sort of cohesion to DC and the many reboots and resets to its timelines, why they might have occurred, and more importantly, how they can be reconciled, if they can be. And I'm saying this most importantly because I was lucky enough to hang out with the weekly podcast gang when we sat down with Scott Snyder and heard him talking about these ideas that were coming in death metal and that we could look forward to. And among them was an understanding of what an ending looks like for these characters, what it's like to envision that, and how death metal's ending, as well as the future state spinning out of it, will keep all of those considerations in mind, showcase how many different ways things could be going, gauge the response of readers and fans, and then through it continue to tell the amazing stories that excite us and make lists like the top five each and every week on the spinner rack something that brings to mind all of the best and maybe even raises a question or two of what else should be considered or included. It seems that Scott Snyder really understood what was possible through the projects that he had created, the crossover of metal, now with death metal, what opportunities had come through through projects like Doomsday Clock, and also a commitment on the part of DC's staff to find a resolution, create a cohesion, and bring us a universe that can keep all of the things we love, tell new things we've never considered, and all the stories that are layered in between. There's so many possibilities, there's so much potential. It's a great launching point, and I think it's an important thing that I really wanted to recognize for this episode. Now, great thing about a five out of five book like that is what it leads into, and for me, the next thing to consider is Generation Shattered. Generation Shattered is something that was teased back in Detective Comics number 1027, when in one of the stories, the Batman, who had just arrived on scene, was approached by a figure wearing a glove that looked and sounded a bit like Skeets, the robotic companion of Booster Gold. And it is through Generation Shattered that we get the history and it starts in the future of young Mandy and what it means to come in contact with a Booster Gold, who is not the same get-rich-quick, all-for-the-glory 
that we have known him as. And Road Weary, clearly a bit ragged, is willing to make a considerable sacrifice to see the world and time itself changed and potentially saved from a conflict. There is a transformation performed with Skeets and Kamandi that also brings us to the Linear Men and that shows us how dangerous the foe that Booster Gold saw and was trying to prevent led him to Kamandi and a mission directive for Skeets and Kamandi to collect those who might be useful, beneficial, and the most important in preparing a defense or response to this rising threat. Along the way, <laughs> there are time-hopping moments that DC Comics fans, I think, will greatly enjoy. There are some wonderful teases, hints, suggestions, and also an opportunity to recast certain characters by showcasing important elements that might not have been highlighted in previous stories were part of a character's existing backstory or history or for whatever reason are given prominence in these moments and through them we get the chance to see <laughs> a young booster gold a young superman a young titans and so many other characters in their youth in their prime from very significant moments in dc comics history even a sinestro wearing a green lantern ring while the time hopping, what is it they're facing? Not really something I'm going to give away. Seems like it would really be poor taste. However, hopefully, this suggestion of all the great things that are wrapped up in a really fun title like Generation Shattered gives you an incentive to go out, give it a read yourself. And if you have read it and you are willing to let me know, what you thought, if you agree or disagree with me, man, that'd be a great conversation. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, what I thought were the high and low points, what your high and low points might have been as well. And also the concept that is not only being suggested within the series, but the next sprawling chapters of the story that are being set up for us as it continues to spin. I'm also really curious about the final pages and panels. What did you think? What was your take? Excitement, revulsion, disappointment, sadness, who knows? I do know that Generation Shattered is another one of those great cumulative combinations. Dan Jurgens, Andy Schmidt, and Robert Venditti combining for the writing. It's a laundry list of artists i'm not going to bog it down what i am going to say is there are just so many that then it seems really fun to just have colorist hi-fi letters tom napolitano and cover by ivan rice joe prado and hi-fi with a variant cover by Lear mayo what i do want to say is if you haven't take a glance at the credits for generation shattered there are so many artists capturing so many great moments throughout DC's history. It's worth it just for that reason alone. Go ahead, pick it up, 
Let me know what you're thinking. And if you've got it already, let's have a great chat about it. In the meantime, that was my second book, a great five out of five pick. A lot of fun for me to talk about Generation Shattered number one with you. But because it's my second book, that means it's time for us to take that quick ad break. Let you know everything going on here at DC Comics News, how you can be a part of it, why you don't want to miss it. And then we'll be back with more from the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. See you soon. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35 percent off site-wide by using the code dc news 35 that's dc n-e-w-s 35 dc news 35 use that code and receive 35 percent off site-wide at insighteditions.com hi everyone i'm here to tell you about the dc comics news podcast here every week to talk everything dc movies tv comics and everything in between but don't just take my word for it here are a couple of our sponsors listen to the dc comics news podcast it's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> no. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton. And I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? 
What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Cougar. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and battle me, nards. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love. The Harley Quinn Cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes or Dummies! Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. (laughs) We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. (laughs) Off the the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're gonna be talking about we're gonna be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't. Want to. God damn it. Look, all right. We're gonna Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes. Content creation reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. Boom, and just like that, the ads are over, and like I promised, I'd be here when you get back. That means, of course, that it's also time for us to dive into my third, fourth, and fifth choices here on the DC Comics New Spinner Rack, episode number 87. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. Without any stalling, let's get right to my next pick. I'm talking about Future State Swamp Thing. There are a number of great future state books out this week, next week, in the weeks, and even month to come, you're going to find it easy to pick plenty. I, for one, found that 
I had two selections, the first of which is Future State Swamp Think number one that really caught my attention, showcased for me some amazing combinations of writing and art, also some really original approaches to, well, <laughs> the characters that we've known, we think we know, and now looking at them in the future should be much more similar, but clearly they are not. Swamp Thing Obsidian Sun written by Ram V. Art by Mike Perkins with colors by Jun Chung. Letters by Ditya Bidikar. And cover by Mike Perkins and Jun Chung is a feast for the eyes. The original cover is <laughs> a beautiful twist on the Statue of Liberty. The variant cover is a haunting, painted, gorgeous thing that just feels like it should be framed and hanging somewhere. Whether or not it will be, whether or not it is, it's by Dima Ivanov. And if you get both covers, I won't judge you. I'd consider it a great investment of money in great art. Now, each one of these Future State books points out that the multiverse has been saved and that there are so many new possibilities, especially with all the ways that the universes and fabrics of time and space are shaking out, sprinkling sometimes from the very ashes of the death metal. In this new life, a glimpse into a future unwritten, worlds of tomorrow, one where Swamp Thing is actually near the Statue of Liberty and engaged in a reflection about all of the things that came and passed, why the world has become what it has and how so many of those that we knew were familiar to the storylines are no longer part of this current narrative, that the flaw that is humanity led to a result that either was so final or so familiar or so expected that so much that was left over was twisted and removed from anything we'd known before. Now, Swamp Thing in this series is surrounded by a great cast of characters. Whether it's Heather, whether it's Indigo, whether it's the conflict they're always creating with each other, or if it's the feeling that they are creations that have greater meaning than just the emotions and the personalities they display. Are they parts of Swamp Thing's psyche? Do they represent other personas? like the one that began with him and Alec Holland that have now become entities, avatars. And what does it mean when a living human being is found? There's also a lovely comparison to anatomy and suggestion about how long it takes to build a living creature, a living functioning physiology. And through that, the ideas of something growing itself from a very raw and seed-like or seedling state to something much more complex. Humans have a complex 
if not fragile existence in this world, and they are the beginning of a great deal of tension that is also opening the eyes of Swamp Thing and his companions to a threat that has been growing hidden in the dark corners of science, magic, and a little bit of the earth and the powers it contains. Great, haunting, beautiful opening to Swamp Thing. You're going to love the colors. You're going to love the art. I love the way that so many of the characters felt like something out of Sandman or Lucifer. Well, the vertigo that is no longer with us, but we hope can continue in Future State and Black Label and other titles. I think this was a great homage to that idea. I love this new look at Swamp Thing and the haunted future. He is navigating with us following his guide. So how do you follow a pick number three like that? A great five out of five book like Future State Swamp Thing? Well, I'm going to go with another Future State book. I'm talking this time about The Flash number one. First off, just glancing at it, the, the original cover is so, so amazing. And then the variant, this twisted, nightmarish version of a maybe hopefully never Wally West. The showcase in the very beginning of where and how Checkmate is in existence and what sort of role it's playing, why they are the target of Wally West, Max Mercury, Impulse, Ava, or Avery, I'm sorry, and a team that is carrying around a great deal of Flash, rogue, villains, weapons. The consequences of that night and the reason behind why all of the speedsters have not only lost their speed, but are being hunted by a former friend, a former ally, a former sidekick. Someone who represented the best of them and who is being twisted and warped by a force that is taking control and in the process is punishing the team every step along the way that it strives to fight back. Now, a couple of other great moments is, for example, a quick double-page spread that shows us Fuji Japan and some notable figures from that heroic side that sometimes gets touched on, but not always. We get to see a glimpse of them and how they might be playing out later on in future stories and maybe stories not so much in the future but soon to come down the pipeline. For Barry Allen it's always been about how fast his mind was because in the end no matter how fast he could move his body if he couldn't think fast enough he was doomed. He now is faced with a situation in which the only thing that can be fast enough to stop the friend who is now their enemy. It's a frustrating idea and one that strikes against the very hopeful nature that has been uh, a staple in my mind at least of Barry Allen, Wally West and all those who carry the emblem of the flash and the responsibility of a speedster. It's hard to hope when you're fighting against what used to be a close loved one who is hurting you and taking away those you love. And 
the desire to still save that person instead of simply stopping them, it's a powerful conflict that I think is going to make for a really great next chapter in this future state, The Flash. This has been number one. I'm looking forward to possibly sharing number two with you here on the Spinner Rack. We'll see how it all shakes out. However, that means it's time for my fifth and final choice. And I don't think there's any suspense for me in this one. It really has to be The Dreaming Waking Hours number six in a story known as Intermezzo Part One. Boy, this book has really impressed me. There's a reason why I feature it so often on the spinner rack. G. Willow Wilson combines her really great storytelling and wonderful characters with the art and colors by Javier Rodriguez. The beautiful letters by Simon Bolin, the rich cover, haunting, stunning by Nick Robles is one for the collection. I encourage you to give it a look because it teases for us the story that awaits inside. Now, we've had the opportunity to follow the wonderful story that has showcased the growth and development of one doctor achieving her doctorate, doing so while navigating a dreamscape that she's been trapped in after losing her child and then facing off against the many forms of Shakespeare. We return to her to see her accolades and recognition, and we also return to some characters who were setting off on their own adventures at the end of the last issue. Talking about Ruin, talking about Joe Fell, and also the introduction of a few other characters who have been teased up to this point, but who might begin making more important appearances within the series, one of which appears to be the young man that Ruin witnessed in a dream. Another is that of Heather After, who has plans to go out and is unaware of the threat and danger awaiting her in response as a consequence to her decision to summon a magical being to help them just a few issues back. When that magical being was the legendary Puck, you might remember from something, say, like A Midsummer Night's Dream, there is the considerable danger that Puck will be offended and will lash out in a meaningful and memorable way, one that shows why he should never be messed with. A message, you might say. And that message comes at the sharpened edge of a verbal sword, a wound that can never heal, and Heather after, wandering, alone, seeking help, feeling the threat that now is her exposure, because the wound is like blood in the water for sharks. Every evil, malevolent thing will seek her out, and in the process, do its best to bring her down. This is the punishment from Puck, and it's why Heather has to call out to a popular trench coat clad magician and why she is forced to a last resort that may not be the best decision she could have made. However, now that the decision has already been acted upon, we'll see what consequences await. I love the fact that G. Willow Wilson pulled us in with this great story through the first issues, those first five, the arc that has brought us down to the sixth, 
and characters I care about, characters I want to continue following and see what the next stages in their journey might be. I think there's plenty of reasons why this is going to be a standout in the Sandman universe and why I look forward to sharing more issues with you here on the DC Comics new Spinner Rack. But that was my fifth book, a five out of five choice, and the final one here on episode number 87, DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Should you want to make sure that you never miss out on any episode of Spinner Rack, go to the podcast platform you're listening on right now and hit subscribe. We're on all the big ones from Google to iTunes to Stitcher and so many more, Spotify and the like. Tell a friend, let them know they can find us all over the place. And when they do, have them subscribe too. This way, you, like them, will be guaranteed to always have in your feed the newest episodes coming your way from DC Comics News Spinner Rack, the weekly podcast covering news from movie, television, streaming, comics, and more, to original episode-by-episode breakdowns like I Am the Night by the amazing Steve J. Ray, an episode-by-episode review of Batman the Animated Series, along with Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast, an episode-by-episode somewhat raunchy take on one of the dirtiest shows to come out of the DC Universe and talking about Harley Quinn. Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast, is just that kind of show you need for a laugh. There's that so much more. If you're over on YouTube, check out DC and After Dark, hosted by Kelly Gaines. Trust me, you'll laugh you'll smile, and for the most part, you'll be thinking all things DC the entire time. It's a show you'll want to look forward to and more, and should you have a comment about that or anything else, whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Tumblr, or more, use the at symbol in DC Comics News. It's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. When you use at DC Comics News, and tag that to whatever your comment is. The whole gang gets to know what you're saying, what you're thinking, and what else we can know. Got questions and comments from me about the spinner rack, where I'm wrong, where I'm right, where you agree, where you disagree. That's a great place to do it. And you can always find me out there individually. I'm one more singleton on Twitter. I am Seth the Writer on Instagram, or just type Seth Singleton in the word story into a search engine. Let me know what you find. Send me a message. Love to have a great conversation with you, hear your thoughts, maybe include them here on a future episode of The Spinner Rack. Most importantly, it's been a great time hanging out with you. As we like to say at the end of every episode, always read more comics. Thanks, everyone. I'll be here when you come back around next time. Until then. <laughs>